Hey there, welcome to the Path to Zion podcast, YouTube video edition version, I don't know what. Look, we haven't really been doing much for the last several days. I did just some very usual um, audio editions, just like we've been doing for the last year plus. Um, and those can be found at pathtozion.com. Um, that's where everything primarily lands, even in the video form. Um, we extract the audio out and post those um, in parts, segmented out um, when necessary. And uh, so you can check that out, pathdesign.com. Look, we're picking up a lot of international listeners um, over the last 30 days or so. Um, that's very exciting. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and a lot of listeners in some new states um, within the United States um, getting a lot of listeners up in Michigan. If that's you, thank you uh, for tuning in. As I always say, you can reach out to us at path to Zion podcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know that you're listening. Ask questions. As I'm always saying, you know, if you have any concern with anything that I might bring up here um, that maybe you don't understand or you flat out disagree with, that's okay here. Um, that's not just okay, that's actually welcomed on this program. Um, I believe there is great value in asking questions, and I believe there is a place, some confines, if you will, um, where you can safely submit questions on any matter that you and I or any greater amount of people at large would disagree with. That's okay. Um, we don't run that off around here. Actually, I think that would be very beneficial for us. Um, today, I want to talk. I don't know how long it's going to be. The, the problem is with these sort of things is I don't know where to cut off information gathering. And like, it's very hard for me to take topics and really get them down. That is not my specialty. I absolutely need to continue to work on that. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about first fruits, the days of unleavened bread and the Omer um, in the scripture from from my very limited, admittedly, my my limited understanding, as I'm always clear to say, I'm learning. I am. My understanding is just kind of in an elementary phase. Um, and as I'm always saying, there are many men um, in my own life, even right now, that are very educated along these lines, very educated according to these things. And they're very, they're very helpful to me um, right now um, to expand my understanding um, just by information and, and historical understanding and explanation of a lot of things that have really, let's just face it, they've not been taught. We're saying that all the time here on this program, that there are so many things that are just not being taught in the, the, the church age that we now live in here in 2020. We are just an ignorant people. The things that have been in place from, again, my understanding today um, for Israel and the grafted in reality of those of us who were Gentiles formerly on the outside, alienated, but through Yeshua have been made a literal nation royal priesthood, God's possession that I've been talking about a lot here on the program. These things have not been kept by our forefathers. And so the, the commands to keep these things throughout all of your generations, look, let's just face it. It's got to us and it's been, it's been this much at best 
or most of the time I'm finding no one's ever taught me these things ever. I've never heard these things spoken by Christian uh, teachers, pastors, preachers. I've just not heard it. No one has taught. And I've been in church for the majority of my life. I've just not heard these things. And so what I want to share for the next little bit, however long it becomes, hopefully you're enjoying some lunch or something right now. This will all this will all be about declaration, preparation and anticipation. Like that's what I'm finding within my discovery personally for myself and for my household about the the awesome like purpose within the feasts, within being a people for us, becoming a people who who remember, who look upon the acts of Yahweh God with his people and how he how he put things in place, parameters, boundaries, markers, memorials for our good. Why? Because we have to admit that we are a people who need those things. We need constant, consistent reminders To what? To remember, to remember, to return, to memorialize, to mark, and therefore be marked, be a distinct people. Why? Because we remember all these perpetual things like we talked about in Passover that were to remain throughout all generations for God's people. And as I'm continuing to talk and present to anyone I talk to right now that considers themselves in Christianity, in Jesus, We've got to figure out from the very beginning, in Yeshua Messiah, are we now merely Christian Americans or whatever country you may live in now and you're just Christian? We have got to ask ourselves, what does that mean? What does it mean? Have we in Messiah somehow mysteriously by what we've been taught been divorced from the people of Israel, or, or or did the acts of Yeshua Messiah, the Son, the God-man, actually purchase us and make us a possession of God, which what? Returns back to the original people of God, which were his possession at the outset because he formed and fashioned them. Have we not been made the same? And if we are in fact the same, are not all of these things that his people were commanded to keep forever throughout all your generations, are they not true for us? And if they are not, then who are we? This, that's why I'm saying all of this stuff about the feast and the understanding that began in me last year with Hezekiah, it's a revelation of my identity. It's a revelation of who I am now in the Messiah. It's amazing. It's incredible to me. It's changing my life and the life of my family. It's wonderful. So this is all about declaration, preparation, anticipation. Okay, so Passover, done, right? For this year, Passover is through. I hope yours was well if you observed it at all, as I urged anyone who might have given me a few minutes to explain the invitation. Now that, the invitation series, that was more than a few minutes, wasn't it? It was three hours of me trying to explain the whatever whatever was in my heart and is of course still now just days removed within this unveiling of the mystery of the Passover right um our just real briefly I've got to share just briefly now just our our family's experience with doing our first Passover it it was incredible I mean it was like 
It was incredible, y'all. Just sitting on the floor. My wife had the idea of setting the table on the floor. Well, our, our uh, coffee table. We set up everything, arranged it in our den. And we sat on the floor around the table. And we ate the matzah. And we did the cups. And we did certain components of the scriptural understanding something's dangling from the ceiling um, of the Passover observance. Right. And it was just so we, I was the angry Pharaoh and my, my son was, was demanding. I let his people go. And it was just like, I don't even know how to explain it. That would take me all of the time. And I don't want to take that up, but there's just something of substance when we give ourselves in faith to, to glean all we can as spiritual men to what the Lord is saying in these things that have been overlooked and not passed down to us. They weren't handed to us, friend. In most cases, they were not handed to us as a treasure to continue. And so we kind of have to start from scratch. I'm 46 years old, halfway to 47, more than that. And you know what? I have to start as a newborn child. I don't know anything, yet I want to train my son I want to help my wife get her understanding as the priest of my home. But we're learning and God in his goodness is revealing these awesome things to us along the way. And so some interesting things I want to point out, we're going to kind of jump around, pass over real quick in reflection. Um, the first fruits, the days of unleavened bread, the Omer, man, there's so many things. When you look at the biblical calendar right here, right now, it's like, boom, like, <laughs> You got the Shabbat Haggadol, which I talked about, which was the Sabbath that preceded Passover. Then, of course, you have the Passover event. And then you have another day of, 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 of a congregational gathering, and, and which was marked and distinct for a purpose. And, and you have the Days of Unleavened Bread start, and, and then you have the first fruits and all the things that are within that. And, and right here and now, yesterday started the, the counting um, of the days involving the Omer. And I just want to unpack that just a tiny bit. Again, just like my little bit of limited understanding here. Here's what I know, okay? As it kind of develops in my own, my own way of saying it, right? But right now we're in the midst of the week of unleavened bread, the days of matzah, depending what you read, your text. Um, but before I get past that, and, and I just want to make this very clear, I never knew these things. And if you know it, don't be like, I already know that, Joel. I learned that 20. It's okay, right? Like, there are millions of people who do not know these things, all right, that, like myself, are just coming into a knowledge of this. It's very new. But Passover in the Hebrew is Pesach, Pesach. And it's it's broken up, and it's basically the way I understand it, it's it's depicted in three Hebrew letters, which talks basically shows the mouth speaks. And I talked about, man, weeks ago when 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 we were doing as a family, as the, myself this much and my son and my wife this much learning Hebrew, we were drawing out the, the Hebrew letter Chet, Chet, C-H-E-T, and how it looks just like the doorpost and the lentil. It's the letter of life, all these things that we could just continue to reiterate over and over because they're so fascinating. And so the complexities and layers of everything that God laid out in natural circumstances is literally incredible. But it means the mouth speaks. 
Now, we're going to talk about why that's significant because it sets us up for days of unleavened bread, first fruits, and especially all this stuff, this weird stuff about the Omer, right? What in the world? What? What is this thing? What is it, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that later. Okay, so I just want to read several texts about the first fruits mindset. Um, it was, it just started, it just began, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain all these things appropriately to make sure I say it right. I hate saying things wrong. I want to teach correctly and accurately within my own understanding. So I try to just come back to what I know for now. Okay, but some different verses I want to read just to kind of set a little uh, uh, a textual stage, if you will, of different components within the Bible specifically about these things I want to talk about. Leviticus chapter twenty nine, uh, twenty three, rather, verse nine. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them. When you enter the land, which I'm going to give to you and reap its harvest. Okay, so it's it's a land you're going to possess. But look, it's a gift from Yahweh God. It's a gift from him. You're only going to go and possess it because he gives it. He brings it to you. Then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Here they are. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. Okay, so we know now we get the imagery. We get all the intricacies and in, in the great high priest, the great high priest. We bring we bring our first fruits. We bring ourselves to him. We're going to get to that in measure later. Proverbs 3, um, verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Ezekiel 44, 30, the first of all the first fruits of every kind and every contribution of every kind from all of your contributions shall be for the priests. You shall also give them the first of your dough to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Exodus 22, 29, you shall not delay the offering from your harvest and your vintage. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. This immediately triggered like Pat, the Passover event and the death of the firstborn. So like those firstborn that were on the outside that were not within the people of God. Look, we know what happened, right? Why is that without going down that road more than just a mere second or two, the firstborns that are presented as an offering dedicated, if you will, to Yahweh God, they remain. They are preserved. They are hidden within him, protected by him as what? Passover, the lamb's blood, the slain lamb, sacrificial propitiation for sin delivers and spares those firstborn presented to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26, um, 2 that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of your ground, which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. Again, you do something, God always does his part. Always. Sure thing, hands down. Um, Deuteronomy 26.10, just a few verses down. Behold, I have brought the first of the produce of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before him. Okay, again, we're, we're, we're just driving home through some verses. The, the first fruit principle, okay? Romans 8.23. And not only this, we don't have time to get into, well, what was the only this? We don't have time. 
but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for our adoption as sons, eagerly waiting the redemption of our body. Again, first fruits, this case of the spirit. Romans eleven sixteen. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. Again, first piece of dough. It, it shows what? What does it show? It shows an insight of the whole. It shows a, 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 it, it's a, it's a distinguisher of the entirety of what the component is that you're presenting, right? It's the first example offering of the whole. Okay, Romans eleven sixteen continues this thought. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and the root is holy, the branches are too. So it makes that clear to us. The first is very important. It's very valuable. Revelation 14, 4, I looked and I behold, and behold, the lamb was standing on Mount Zion with him, 144,000. They had his name and the name of the father written on their foreheads. I heard a voice from heaven. We can go on and on what it sounded like. They sang a new song before the throne, the living creatures, the elders. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. They are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the lamb. No lie was found in their mouth. They're blameless. Okay, they look like the lamb. Their attributes are as the lamb. They have been purchased and are the first fruits of what? God's possession, the lamb's possession. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Messiah has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. Again, like these things that are just really standing out to me in this, this timeline of my life right now is Paul often was referring to things that were not new ideas. He was always quoting things that the people would have knew, they would have known and connected with what they had learned their whole lives. So many people that would have heard these same stories, these same accounts, a lot of biblical records. And even if they weren't, if they came in as just like completely vile Gentile pagans, they still came in and they were invited into the inheritance of God's people that, of course, Paul would have known as well as any man on the earth at the time, everything that had preceded Messiah. He was the he was the poster child of the law. Right. He knew all these things. He knew all the stories he had taught for sure. And under um, Gamaliel, he would have learned all the intricacies of how God had had moved through his people. That's why Yeshua came and he was such an offense because he came and said, guess what? All of that was to lead you to me. The law is what? The tutor that leads to Messiah. And so it, it's hard. Is it not hard for any one of us to be led to a point where there's an intersection where, where we must abandon everything we've understood or perceived and thought and presumed? This is the only way. Well, we have the same opportunity before us as every other that says, you know what? I've got to rightly hold what I have known and then even my identity and I've got to put it in front of the Messiah. And only those things that line up as equal must remain. Only those things that I see now fulfilled in him. And as I'm always saying now, my current understanding elevated 
those things, the perpetuity of the laws of God perfectly demonstrated in the Son. As I'm always saying, man, this principle of through is changing my life. It was not a wall. It was a through, through him, through the gate, the way we return, we memorialize, we remember that we are marked people, set apart and distinct, keeping the holy feasts of the Lord, like first fruits, days of unleavened bread, and talking about here in a few minutes, the Omer. It's all interconnected, every last bit of it. Um. He called Messiah our Passover. We talked about that last week in the Passover teaching, of course. Now he's talking about the first fruits principle. Same thing, right? Um, Christ, our Passover was in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, if I remember. Um, and this is fifteen twenty, talking about the first fruits of those who are asleep after Messiah was raised from the dead. The first fruits reality, the purchasing, the offering. Um, again, this is all about declaration, preparation, anticipation. Okay, this is a this is all intricate, intricately interwoven into an experiential understanding of who we are. Again, our identity as the people of God. The way I see it right now, okay, my understanding um, when we start talking about first fruits is, and I have this right here. Maybe this is a good time for this example. Okay. Um, I, I had a brother yesterday. I called him. I'm like, man, you, this guy, he, he is a walking, I don't want to say Bible encyclopedia because that's like too small. This guy is like blows my mind with his understanding just off the top of his head of, of all these things that are just new revelations to me. Um, and so I was talking to him, asking some questions about uh, the Omer specifically. Um, and even the, some, of course, directly connected to first fruits and, um, Noah and I went out to our field yesterday and, and we gathered this up. Right. And, and, and we'll get to this text in a minute, but I feel like this is a good time to bring this up is basically from my understanding. Now you would go out into your field and you would cut um, just obviously a, a small cutting of what you would present to the priest. You would take it in and, and this would be the first fruits of your, of your, of your field of, and from my understanding, how this applies to me spiritually of my life, the field of my life. And I go out and I, and I take this and I, I bring it before the Lord, the house, I bring it into the house of the Lord and I present it. And I say, you know what, this is the current condition of who I am because what stood out to me is significant. We didn't really talk about this, but my wife and I did later, you know, you might have somebody who has, just some sprouts, right? And you might have somebody with this that looks a little more mature, has heads of grain on it. It's a little more discernible. It's got a little more readiness to it. But the thing is, from my understanding now, it was all received. You weren't like, eh, you're, hey, hey, Jim, hey, get that puny sacrifice out of here. Go get some better grain, would you? <laughs> you know, like it was brought as however it was. It's it's present condition when this day and time came and everyone brought from their own field, the own whatever condition it was. You brought it in. You presented it. Hey, this is where I am. This is who I am. I'm not in control of the field. We're doing all we can. We tend to the field. We work the land. We can get into all the stuff about ground preparation and all that, but of course we won't. But we bring it in and we present it 
our lives now is what we're talking about. This is good imagery. This is awesome. My eight-year-old son got this, right? We bring it in whatever condition it's in. We say, Lord, I'm believing there's a harvest coming. I'm committing now. I am bringing you this first fruits. I'm saying this is for you. This whole field, this whole field, this whole field now, it's all yours. It's all yours. And because of what we're going to get to, right, I believe that in a certain amount of distinguishable days that you marked for me, something is going to be coming in that is a great harvest. And guess what? I'm going to give you a good portion of that too. Because what? It's all yours. It's all yours, Father God. It's all yours. Everything I have. As the scripture we even looked at, it's a gift from God brought to us to possess, but it's a gift from him. Okay? So like we need these things in the natural, even this now, many people can say, well, that's just foolishness, Joel. That's just, you don't, don't, you don't take that to the priest. I know that I bring it before my great high priest. And you know what? I don't care whether you're eight or 46 or 90. This can teach us something. This can teach us spiritual principles just by doing things in the natural to what? To remember, to memorialize. Okay. It has value. It has substance. If we are a man of, if we are men of faith who actually put something of substance into the actions that we would do, the principles of the heart and our understanding can often be developed by things we do in the natural, which is why all these markings and timelines and calendars of God, calendar of God has significance because it's a memorial to what we are a people who need to remember and remember and remember why we're forgetful we are forgetful people who will what lawless ones i'm not going to be a lawless one i'm not going to risk that well that's just legalistic joel you're abandoning the grace you've been given in yeshua jesus well i tell you what i look around and i see the church the grace church and they make me real nervous because i see a whole lot of lawlessness i see a whole lot of people just wandering around like sheep with no boundary the shepherd speaks and you know what they're over there watching a movie across the way and they don't even hear his voice because there's no fence there's no boundary there's no eternal boundary Okay, and so I want to be a man who keeps the memorials of God marked for my own good because I need reminded. I need reminded and I need to teach my children and my children's children to remember. Let's just face it. We are a forgetful people. It's the pattern of the Bible, right? We are forgetful people. The principle of practicing. Okay, because like feasts. Man, so much of this stuff is like we need to practice. Now, listen, if this like flies all up in your face of works and like we're trying to earn God's look at me, God, look, look, look at me. I'm doing what you told me. Oh, great God. No, we're missing it. If that is our understanding that I don't have time to go into all that. But like even the, the ways we practice according to the feasts alone now. We would never say to someone who practices anything in the natural, we would never call that ridiculous, whether it's sports or uh, games, instruments for, for band at the high school, we would or football games. Like we would never say, what are you guys doing? Just running out there, running around in circles in slow motion, practicing moves and like basketball is my thing. Why are y'all got, why are you guys doing those sprints running like that? 
What are you doing? Why are you just walking through, passing the ball in slow motion, dribbling this way, and then you move that way? Why? Because we need to practice things so that we know what we're doing, so that we know how to carry out our lives according to spiritual principles, just like things in the natural. We are a people who have to realize, like I'm always talking about preparation, like even with the with the John ref or Luke, I don't remember, it's probably in both, of course where I talked about all the stuff with preparation day. I taught on just last week. The power of preparation, friends, is is something the church has forgotten. We want to drive up to a worship service, get out, get our cup of coffee, sit down, and enter into worship. You got the countdown on the screen, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Oh, worship the Lord right now. No preparation, And our preparation, friends, is not 13 minutes before the service praying and reading Psalms 42. It is a lifestyle of preparation. It's every day of the week. Why were we told by the people of God who preceded all the other generations said, when you get up and when you lie down, you teach, you learn, you pray, you fast, you keep the feast, you remember, you memorialize your entire life because guess what? If you don't, you will never be ready for the game. You'll never be ready when the hour comes. You'll never be prepared. You'll be what? You'll be the virgin sitting back in the corner. Oh, hey, Susie, what about your lamp? I'm good. I'm fine. I've got plenty of time. I'm just chilling, getting some me time, right? No, we have to learn from all these things we've been taught and told. Why? To prepare. And that's what I'm finding all throughout these feasts. It's for my good to prepare for something that's yet to come. But yet is now, too. I mean, it's beautiful. It's incredible. Okay, Um, where am I at? Speaking of training. All right, just lean in close. Scroll down and turn your volume down in case you're near your spouse. You don't want them to hear the next question. Are they out of the the way? Are you by yourself? How is your mouth? How's your mouth? How's your talking? How is your speaking right now? Like, just think about the last few days, if you want to. (laughs) What is your thinking? What is... Your understanding towards your mouth, your speech. What is it you're speaking about? And in what heart are you speaking out of? Because our mouth, what we're told in scripture, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Who we are is what comes out of our mouth, whether we like it or not. Well, that's just emotion. We can get into all that, but we won't. And again, let's remember, Pesach is what? The mouth speaks, okay? What does the mouth speak? Can we get to that now? Yahweh clearly spoke to Moses. This really struck me when I was reading that, you know, several weeks back. Yahweh God says, you know what? This is the plague that is going to set you free. This one. All these others, man, it's been rough. I know, up, down, up, down, we're out, we're in. This one, you will be delivered. So what? Prepare. Prepare for the Passover. All right? They didn't know what that was. We, of course, will Passover. We know what happened. You got to remember, now that story, that account unfolded by people who lived it out. They had to do something. They had to prepare, put the blood, go into the house, close the door. Whoa, 
We're not coming out till morning, everybody. We're staying in. We're having a meal. Roast the lamb. We're staying in here, right? So the mouth speaks. Yahweh, God's mouth speaks, told them that their deliverance was coming. Those who heard the mouth of God speak through Moses, they were delivered and spared. So now we're told what? The mouth speaks perpetual. We're told throughout the scriptures about what? Passover is to be kept for generation upon generation upon generation forever for God's people. Why? For us, the people of God, new for me and my household, what? To recount and retell the account of Israel's deliverance. Now, our mouth speaks what took place when God's mouth spoke to his people and set them free. We continue that going, the Pesach reality, the perpetual speaking and declaration of our mouth, of the awesome work of Yahweh God. It's incredible that this even means that. It's so cool to me. It remains alive because of men speaking it to all generations. And we're invited into this incredible tradition. And that's what it is. Like the modern day church hates the word tradition. And listen, I was the poster child of hating tradition. I was the guy who led the way with tearing down the religious church system and all their traditions. Listen, the problem is traditions aren't bad if they're the people of God's traditions established in Yahweh God's ordinances. Those Let's remain, okay? All the others, which there are plenty of, of course, those can go. Let's continue doing that. We're invited into this declaration with our mouth, okay? The days of unleavened bread come. We're going to have to move, man. we got to move right through this. Seven days, we're eating matzah, unleavened bread in our own house. It's amazing how creative you can get with that. Man, that's really not that bad. Of course, our house is gluten-free, no egg, no dairy, and a lot of things. So, you know, we're used to eating nasty bread already. So maybe that's part of it. It's easier for us. We're more prepared already. Free from leavening. Well, why? We know we even talked about that the other day, about Paul taught the exact same thing to all the churches. He talked about the, the removal of the leaven, the lump, the all these things. We know all these things. When we went through our house and we purged our house of leaven in, in the natural, we, we made a fire out in our fire pit. And we have never done this, this before. Like everybody, I'm sure, does something different. I just like, when oh, the Lord spoke and he said, create a fire for me and put it upon you. It wasn't like that. We just said, you know what? It's all going to go. Because, you know, you can put it in your basement or you can put it in your barn. Or you can give it to your neighbor and then you can go get it. But what I just kept saying was like... If this is supposed to really represent sin, man, I don't want it back in my house. Like that, that'll be a, a, a cost for me right now. Eh, can't really, I can't really throw food out right now, but that's not what we're doing. We're demonstrating something in faith of something real, of substance, spiritual. So we put it on the fire, man. We just burned it and just, I'm telling you, it was something to that in the understanding as a spiritual man. Training my son. Son, this is what we're doing. Like, this is all of the of the lumps of leaven in our life. And we're saying, you know what? Get out of the house. Get out of the house. We don't want you here. We paid a, co- a cost, a price, literally. Like, I could have got out a calculator. And if you've ever bought bread that we buy, 
Oh, oh my God. Oh, put the calculator away. This is getting painful. And I, I know that's silly. A brand new bag of Cheetos. I don't even eat Cheetos. But I've been having this urge for Cheetos. So I bought a jumbo bag of Cheetos. I realized Kristen said, Joel, you never even opened this giant bag of Cheetos. Got to go. They've got to go, right? And as silly as that is, what? It's a natural demonstration of something spiritual. Don't tell me it doesn't mean anything. Don't tell me that's just silliness. Well, maybe to you, not here in our house, very meaningful to us. So all these things were still in the middle of unleavened bread, free from leavening, um, walking out free from sin. We know what the Bible teaches about all that. Hopefully so. If not, look into that. That's fine. Look into all the imagery of leaven, unleavened, sin, lumps. Get them out. Little bit in there, whole thing's bad, right? Which really, it lends itself, does it not, to the first fruits thing. Like we just read in the text earlier, if there's a little bit of leaven in the first lump, hey, dang, the whole thing's ruined, right? In this, in light of this. So we've got to be completely looking inward and saying, what? Well, we always see David say, search me, know me, see if there's any leaven in me, see if there's anything in me corrupting me. Have it. Take it out. Extract it. Okay? So all of this is not accidental. That is still about declaration, preparation, and anticipation. We're about to get to the anticipation part, and we'll bring this to a close here in a few minutes. Nearly three weeks ago, the Lord woke me up. It was, I don't know, three in the morning. Spoke to me the word Omer. A lot of people may think that stuff's craziness. I don't know. If we don't hear God speak to us, then who in the world are we? What are we doing? We're just walking around like robots. Just simple, no big lights and smoke. Omer. Okay, I write the word Omer down. I go back to bed. It's not, I'm not up seeing angels ascending and descending. I write down the word Omer and I go back to bed. I start looking into Omer three, four weeks ago. Asked a brother, what's the deal with the Omer? Well, what context? None. <laughs> okay, so... Obviously, of course, I started looking into it like I would anything that happens like that. And I started, of course, getting to where we are right now, which is the importance of what some call the counting of the Omer. Okay, now the Omer, I'm learning more why as each day passes. Let's just put it that way. Um, So we're looking at first fruits earlier in Leviticus chapter 23. It continues and instructs God's people, and it says this, You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, okay? These are all connected. There shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. Like we already talked about you, the, the mature grain, okay? The mature grain comes in and you bring in two loaves of bread that you make from that. Um, you, that becomes your wave offering. OK, the bread that you make from your harvest becomes the wave offering. Uh, this this, this fine flour baked with leaven, first fruits to the Lord. It concludes with saying in this passage in, Le- in Leviticus 23, it is to be a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout throughout all your generations. We have got, at the very least, you've got to read that and say, 
Am I doing any of these things? Is any of this stuff relevant for me? That would be a good place for all of us to start. It's just asking the question, is there anything to this for me today in Yeshua Messiah, in the church today of 2020? In Acts chapter 1, we're told, quote, to these he, he, presented himself alive. The Messiah presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And he was speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is very, this is where this gets really important, the counting and the omer. In this time frame, right after Passover, in the unleavened bread, all this stuff matters, y'all. It's all, there's so much stuff in these spring feasts. It's just jam-packed with it. I mean, it is stuffed with information we need to know. That I'm learning as, as every, man, as every minute passes, it feels like. Okay, so there's 40 days. It's a marked amount of time now. It's not happenstance. People who came before us, especially back around this time period, of course, understood this principle. They understood what was going on and the significance of what? Ordinances and events, festivals, feasts, they were already keeping. Well established, way before they even got there. Established in time. Not just for mere happenstance and guesswork about what they're supposed to do, even when Yeshua told them certain things. So those gathered, we know about the upper room, right? We know about the gathering of the upper room people waiting for the promise, waiting for the, I mean, imagine the mystery, right? Of what in the world is this? What is, I mean, they, he told them, but still like us, let's just be honest. We would be probably synonymous with all these disciples, apostles, people who walked with Messiah, what is he saying? Did you understand him? No, I got no idea. Some about eating his blood and drinking his blood and eating his body. Oh, what's with this guy? I'm always saying that. I, we have to get this understanding that these were real men like us, although very much educated on everything that preceded the time period, of course. But they knew these things about the significance of the day. So over a period of 40 days, well, they're already in the process of everything that still I'm coming into today. These things, these counting days were already in place. They were already doing these things, just like they had already done Passover. Anticipating, anticipating Pentecost, Shavuot. Something is happening. Surely there were people like, oh, man, I bet the fulfillment's coming. I bet I bet this mysterious power from on high that's going to like clothe me and wrap me up in some incredible power. I wonder if it's going to be then. Right. Surely. Surely they understood this in measure, if nothing else. So when Acts chapter 2 rolls in with when the day of Pentecost had come, it all fell right into the perfect timeline of God. Friends, do you understand this? I barely do. Barely. And it just like lights some raging inferno inside of me. It all fell into place according to counted days, precise days, right? Why? Because they had been counting the days. Just as Israel was commanded like 1,500 years previous. We did this in our house. Um, we did rocks. I don't claim to know what these are. I think it's a 
Is it a pay? I don't know. My wife and son, though, I'm such a slow learner. It's Hebrew, of course. But we, we did rocks and we're going to count. Like, we're literally going to count it. Why? Because we're told, I'm not even going to get into all the scriptures. You can find it easy enough for yourself. It's very easy to find because there's not a whole lot of text about this stuff. But there's significance to the counting. And I'm, again, I'm not the guy who should be teaching this, but maybe I can be a, a bridge gapper. I can bring some a little bit. I can just bring you a little crumb of the vast loaf that this is, right? This is such a richness to the story of redemption, of the promises of God that leads to the fullness of the kingdom. Like all these things are just such great imagery over what? As we keep saying, declaration, preparation, anticipation. We declare it with our mouth, the Pesach, the Pesach. The mouth must speak something. And that's what they did in these 50 days. They would say, today is day X of the Omer, of an expectation of accounting. Now, listen, they would tell their children and they would say this with a faith and an expectation of like on day 50. man, when this when this maxes out, something awesome is coming. Why? All back to all the connection of Passover, first fruits. A dedication of a of this is what I have now. This is what I have right now. This is the best I can bring, but it's a covenantal offering. I'm saying I'm going to be back. And until then, I'm counting out of my mouth. I'm speaking a declaration in what? Anticipation of something that's coming. I am expecting something great. I'm expecting an encounter. In this case, could we not say that the people in the upper room, man, they weren't just sitting around, y'all. They weren't. I have to believe in this second I'm thinking through that and I could just really paint some pictures, but I won't to spare your time. What that must have been like for those who knew the significance of that day. Maybe all of them knew. Somebody could probably tell me right now. Yeah, brother, every one of them knew. They all knew. And if they did, what in their hearts would have been anticipating the promise that the Messiah told them? He said, look, I'm leaving so something greater can come to you. I'm leaving so power can come into your temple. You will be the house of the Lord. You will be the tabernacle. God is about to tabernacle in you, friend, just like he's in me. I am the perfect house of God, and I'm leaving for your good to bring you power from on high. It's incredible, right? The anticipation and expectancy. They counted the 50 days until its arrival. They counted the 50 days with a purpose. With a, This was marked as a memorial for them to get the, and whatever measure they could, the expanse of the awesome hand of God. On behalf of his people, I feel like Yahweh God did, always has done and continues to do and always will just be like, y'all can't even fathom the awesome works of my hands. You can't even wrap your brains around it. Why are we told, look, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't even try. You can't understand me, my thoughts, my ways. Get what you can. How? Through the feasts, through my memorials, 
be marked, be distinct. You can know me in measure, in levels, in depths of him. He has revealed himself. So in the spring feast season, we remember Passover, of course. We could talk all day about that. The mouth speaks. Yahweh to Moses, through Moses to the people of God, the literal mouth speaking the oracles of God to men. All generations continued. Sadly, it died, man. Sadly, it just died off, but it's coming back. There's this resurgence, and I'm a, I'm a living example of that. As I'm always saying, I did not pursue the feasts. The feasts have and are pursuing me. It's, there's this resurgence of what's been forsaken and forgotten from generation to generation. Then days of unleavened bread begin. We cling to what we've been taught about the removal of the leaven from our lives. Even Paul continued to teach that. I taught that last week and we touched on it earlier today. Remove it all. Get it out. Be free from that. Why? Preparation, preparation, anticipation. There's a promise coming. There's a supernatural promise coming. And what did it look like in Pentecost? Ironically enough, fire came down. A brother was teaching the other day that like the the rabbinic teaching, if I understood it rightly, was like the Hebrew letters descended in fire and were upon the people. And they spoke what? In other languages. Out of the mouth. Out of the mouth. The same pattern that God wants to do in people today. Why? To get us out of our minds and out of our own understanding and speaking something that I can't rationalize, understand, or rightly explain. Something that supersedes our own understanding. Preparing. For a harvest to what in enjoy, right? Like we're told in the scriptures to like joyously bring our offering and present it before the Lord ourselves, our field, as I said earlier, committing now mere days ago, committing the first fruits reality. I'm coming back to honor you. I'm coming back. My connection is saying it's bouncing. I apologize. What can you do about the Internet? So the Lord, of course, covenantally pours out his spirit. Tongues of fire come. Why 50 days? This counting. I don't have time. There's so much more information. I don't have time really or the understanding yet to teach it more. I'm convinced because like I was sharing with some friends last night, like 50 days is a really long time for like a scriptural ordinance. A scriptural command, count, 50 days. And I thought, well, if this all has to do with the mouth, I need 50 days to write this thing. I need 50 days to get this this rudder rightly set by the wind of the Spirit. It needs to be set. It needs to be lorded over. It's probably going to take me 50 days. Can we just admit that? This thing, this curses and... Blessing both, shooting out of here. Get the get the leaven out. Get out the cursing. 50 days. What if we do it, though, in faith, and we come out the other side, what? Ready for tongues of fire to come and overrule this tongue. It's incredible. What if it takes that long? 
to declare what is right and true out of our natural mouths, again, that comes from our heart, our innermost cardio places that speaks. This rudder must be lorded over, submitting my thoughts unto Christ, and then loosed. Declaration, preparation, anticipation. So after the fulfillment of Yeshua, he overcomes death in the grave. He enables us to likewise follow in his pattern, presenting the first fruits of our field, our lives, and dedicate them to the Lord. We present them to him. What, again, whatever maturity level we are, God, this is me. Here I am. It's all his. All of this field is yours. And in Messiah, the great high priest that we present ourselves to, we are received as we are, and we are marked. I would like to say, he says, the great high priest to me, all right, Joel, I'll see you in 50 days, son. Bring yourself back here, purified, sanctified, consecrated, marked, memorializing what, what you were commanded to do. Count it out, Joel. Count it. Declare it with your mouth. And son, it's going to take you 50 days. Do it every day. Do it. Be consecrated. Be made distinct. Be deliberate. Dedicate your mouth. We're received and we're marked. And in 50 days, we're ready to move out, anticipating Shavuot. Anticipating Pentecost. Man, I've looked forward to Pentecost for years. I've had that reality in here somewhere in a different place in my life, but something's changed. Something is changing. So friends, first fruits, the days of unleavened bread, the Omer. I just want to encourage you, take some time to look into these things. This is, again, this is, this is crumbs. But we have to start somewhere. We have to give ourselves in faith of doing something. Don't be afraid to do something in the natural. If you're like me, it's been ingrained into you your whole life. Works, works, works. Don't you dare be found in works now. You can't earn the you can't earn the Father's love. No. I've been received by Yeshua Messiah into himself. I joined myself with his death. I've lost my life for his sake. And guess what? I'm finding it in the perpetuity of the feasts of the Lord. I'm stirred with an anticipation because I'm within the eternal timeline of God that he said, keep these throughout all generations. Why? Because son, you have no idea the depths and layers of mysteries I have hidden for you to find out. So friends, do what you need to do. For you and your house, what's it look like for you? It may not look the same as me, but the thing is, whether your grain is like this or whether it's a full, ready-to-harvest grain, whatever it is, present it to the Lord and ask Him, what do I need to do for 50 days? What do I need to do? How do I prepare my heart, the field of my heart, to come and wave before you and receive the awesome power of the Holy Spirit or whatever it is you want to pour out into me, supernatural experiential life promised by the Messiah. Tony, I think there's something within this for us. I know there is for me. I can't speak for you, but friend, be encouraged. Count. 
set time apart, man. Lord, what in the world are you saying to me and to my household? He will speak. I'm sure he will. So turn on your ears. Guard your mouth. Let's lord over our tongues so that they can be loosed unto the spirit of the Lord. Go to pathdesign.com. Subscribe here. Go here. Do all these things, whatever you want to do. Share this with someone if it's anything that helps you understand the feasts of the Lord. Amen.